it's important to understand that if a client of mine was going to another mortgage broker, I would take it to an extent personally in the sense that what did I do wrong? What did I do that made this particular client feel that they need to reach out to somebody else? Hello and welcome to another episode of Help Me Buy Property Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest again. He is a dear friend, a strategic partner, and of course, you know, person who I trust my house and finances with, Mr. Rob Moses, the mortgage broker from R Finance. Rob, how are you today? I'm well, Mox. How are you? I am awesome. We are talking about a very interesting topic today, and this is a topic that I usually talk about in very close circles, and so we are coming out there talking about, can I say your breed, <laughs> the mortgage brokers? So... And the, and the topic is an interesting one because everyone talks about how great the mortgage brokers are. Uh, what we are going to focus more on is why not all mortgage brokers are the same. And because typically, you know, if you think about, you know, even from my personal experience perspective, you know, there are different niches that mortgage brokers work in, right? You know, you would have mortgage brokers who are focused on investment properties, on refinances, or development finances, construction finance, SMSF lending, trust lending, commercial lending. There's heaps and floods and floods of niches when it comes to mortgage broking. So let's start off with the first and the foremost and the most important question so that that becomes the foundation of how mortgage brokers, why mortgage brokers do what they do, is how do you guys get paid? You know, do you charge the clients? Do you charge the bank? How do you in general get paid so that, you know, we can basically talk in a bit more detail about, you know, how does that payment align to the outcome that you're trying to achieve with the client? Of course. So being transparent, mortgage brokers are paid directly by the banks for the loans that we provide. So depending on the bank that we go to, it's fairly standardized across the board at the moment to pay about 0.66 of a, uh, off the loan amount as a uh, upfront commission. We also receive a trailing commission from the bank as well. So if the client stays with the bank, we continue to receive income from that particular loan for the life of the loan. Uh, one of the challenges that, especially in this rate environment where things are moving around is that if a client does decide to refinance within a 12-month period of the loan settling, we generally have to pay back that commission to the bank. And uh, within a 24-month period, 50% of that commission is usually paid back to the bank. Again, it depends on the bank, but in a majority of instances, we want to look for a client that's going to have a long-term solution with this particular bank, at least two to three years, so that there's value for the client and value for us. Sure, sure. And that makes sense. So Basically, the bigger the loan, the more the commission that you're paid. If the client decides to jump and move to someone else, even if it's a different mortgage broker, you basically get penalized on doing some of those or them do, you know, making that choice. And so ultimately, you know, the bank is paying you, but it's, it's in your best interest to retain that client, not just from a high level, you know, upfront commission or overriding commission perspective, but also the trail that comes together with this. And so it's important from your perspective to manage that consistent relationship, right? 100%. And I think that's where having that right client fit is very important. So when you're onboarding the client, being very transparent about how you get paid is really important as a mortgage broker. There's a lot of uh, regulation that requires us to provide that in documentation. But as you can imagine, not a lot of people read through terms and conditions. So I like to make sure that I have a very upfront, consistent conversation with the client especially clients that are looking to refinance to take advantage of rebates. And if it is a client that wants to move from bank to bank, which I'm all for, if you can pay down your load faster, go for it. It might not necessarily be the best fit for a mortgage broker per se. Definitely. 
And so, I mean, I can see this, you know, from a viewer's and a listener's perspective, you can understand that, you know, if you have a loan of, say, you know, $500,000, you know, the trailing commission could be as long as you have that loan, right? That comes through and, you know, that trail might be very, very small, but, you know, as you start adding more and more loans, you can imagine that, you know, that trail can become quite huge and quite big from a mortgage broker's perspective. And that's where the new niche starts coming in. That's where you can see a flood of mortgage brokers coming through. You know, I tend to compare these to, you know, the flood of buyers agents in any market or flood of real estate agents in any market that you think, you know, people just flood in and, you know, try to, you know, uh, tap into this, you know, money, the quick buck, you know, that everyone tries to reach out to. And so talk to us about a bit about, you know, why there's a, this massive flood of mortgage brokers. Of course, money aside, you know, is the regulation that easy? You know, how are people transitioning into this so quick? And you can see, you know, pop-up shops, you know, opening pretty much everywhere these days. 100%. I mean, look, money is definitely a driver, right? People are going to go to where they can get a best bang for your buck. The industry itself at the moment is, although it is regulated quite well, there isn't as much education qualifications that are required to enter into this field. So if we're going to compare it to someone like an accountant, right? An accountant would need to do an undergraduate degree, following do a CPA, and at that point, they will then be able to obviously work in that, in that industry, basically, or be mentored in that industry. As a mortgage broker, um, a certificate for a diploma or an advanced diploma is all that's required. Some of those courses can be done in less than a week, basically, and then you can get somebody in there that could be lending millions of dollars. What's really good about the industry is it does require a, a mentorship program for a couple of years. So if someone is new to industry, never worked as a mortgage broker beforehand, they would need to be under a um, a mentor agreement, basically, which allows them to be able to learn on the job. But there's obviously a lot of people that are interested in the industry. There's a capacity to earn a lot of money. But I think for the majority of mortgage brokers, a lot of them that are coming into the industry might not necessarily have worked in a bank beforehand or have financial knowledge. So I think that's really important. You want somebody who has an understanding of what they're doing in this field. And I've, I've spent a lot of time speaking to a lot of mortgage brokers from a variety of different walks in life. I think this is just me ballparking it, but 70 to 80% of them might not necessarily have had that exposure in that industry beforehand before becoming a mortgage broker. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting, right? You talk about mentorships and mentor programs, right? It depends on what your mentor is good at as well, right? Your mentor might be good at just vanilla house and land packages or just, you know, refinance applications. You know, they might not have that breadth of experience. And so while the mentor program is great, you know, it just gives you that edge in those particular fields. And, you know, when, when I see you know, mortgage brokers, you know, testing out on clients, right? You know, typically look what the buyers agents does right now. They don't have a portfolio of their own. They don't have anything of their own. And they're going out, you know, finding investment properties or finding, you know, development properties for other people. Typically, I can compare that and use that analogy for mortgage brokers as well, where they haven't done a lot of these new loans. And so they're treating into open waters if they don't have that experience of their own if they're not exposed to some of these, it's a bit of a chicken and egg story, I understand, because look, I mean, unless and until you get the experience, you're not going to get there. And so how do you make sure that you get that breadth of experience and, you know, could potentially be that one of the things could be that, you know, you work for a bigger brokerage or you work for, or you tie and team up in a strategic partnership in such a way that, you know, you focus on your niche, but you work together with someone in a different niche on a, on a very like-for-like basis, on a continuous formation so that you know you're learning the ropes of this new niche before you start writing some of that business as well what are your thoughts on you know these these mortgage brokers and the flood of mortgage brokers and you know while 
you know, you can have a really good friend, you know, that necessarily does not mean that, you know, he's the best or he or she is the best person to just manage your finances. 100%, 100%. Look, I think one of the uh, mentorship challenges at the moment as well is that you can have someone who's worked at a bank come in, be, uh, who's worked as a bank as a, as a lender per se, and come into the environment as a mortgage broker without having to serve that mentorship agreement, right? And that's challenging because if you've been working in a bank for, say, seven or eight years and then coming out into the broker world, you might not have that exposure with, you know, 40, 50 different banks that we can offer. So there's a bit of a challenge there and a bit of a disconnect in regards to people that are moving from banks to becoming mortgage brokers. And I think especially with the, as someone who's worked at a big bank for a number of years before stepping out myself, with the changes in commission structures within the banks following the Royal Commission, a lot of people are becoming mortgage brokers because they see it as a more viable way to make similar kinds of income that they might have made six, seven years ago, basically. I think it's important to, with, with I guess, I, I find, especially when doing loans for people that are my friends or family members, is that it can be a little bit, I don't know if it would be the word disconnect would come about, but you get a very in-depth view in the way that people live, and it can be a good thing and a bad thing, right? Once you've gone there and you've done that for that person, you know more about them than most anyone else in the world, maybe even more than their spouses know. So yes, yes. They say you have to be very careful from the doctors, lawyers and the mortgage brokers, right? Because you're opening up your complete life to these people. So hundred percent, I I could totally see that. But it's also important to understand that, you know, a lot of these new people who are coming in, it's almost like, you know, there needs to be a prerequisite that you have been exposed to lending, right? I see a lot of accountants turning up into mortgage brokers. I see a lot of you know, people working in, you know, a payable role or a receivable role in a big corporate or just a financial accountant turning into a mortgage broker because yes, you know, there is a parity between the two, but the skills are not transferable. Is that right? Isn't that right? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, what I do requires a lot of different hats to put on, right? So obviously you're a tax accountant, but you're not a tax accountant. You're a real estate agent, but not a real estate agent. You're a financial analyst, but not a financial analyst. You need to maintain client relationships. You also need to be able to speak to banks, build rapport. So there's a lot of different hats that you need to be putting on at a, at a variety of different times. So I think if you've done one segment and you've done really well, maybe it's the tax side of things. Yes, you might be able to understand that side of it, but you might not necessarily be able to understand the lending side of it. How to be able to, I guess, work with different policies with different banks so you're right, there's a lot of people that are transferred from other industries to becoming mortgage brokers that might be able to do one side of it really well, but not necessarily capture all of it. Definitely. And especially if you've got someone who's newly started as a mortgage broker, volume is usually one of the things that people try to attract, right? You want to be able to write more and more and more loans because you get paid from it. The challenge then is how do you maintain managing a workload? How do you maintain your client connect? How do you use technology to be able to connect with these people to keep them updated on their processes? How do you navigate settlements? How do you make sure that your deals are going to follow through? You can spend a lot of time writing loans, but the ultimate point where you get paid is settling the transaction. So you need to be able to juggle all of those balls at the same time. And I think a lot of people, especially ones that haven't been used to dealing with a large volume of, of, of clients at the same time, struggle with that. And I, a lot of the pain points that I hear from people that are coming to me who have previously dealt with brokers is the ability to call their broker, to contact their broker, to find out what's happening with their loan um, and how they found that that disconnect has been such a challenging part of them dealing with a mortgage broker and how they've sworn off using mortgage brokers because of that poor experience. Certainly. And you raise a really important point. I think I say this all the time that, you know, when you think about doctors, you know, not all doctors are entrepreneurs, right? You know, they have a really sort of tunnel vision 
and they can do really good you know dealing with the patients and you know trying to figure out troubleshooting as to what wrong what is wrong with the with the patient but when they start up their own medical center they're not great entrepreneurs right and so as a mortgage broker again you know you could be in a similar sort of position where you're great as a mortgage broker as a person but when you try to grow yourself out and you know create a business out you are almost distance, distancing yourself from the mortgage broking in itself right because you're hiring more people you're creating capacity and so you're distancing yourself out to create more business and you know try to get more business into the house which means that you know that client experience might get impacted you might not be as impactful as you know the person that you're hiring so there's a big training that comes in place as you scale up and you know try to go on your own so i totally understand and could relate to some of these things and if if i take this a further away and that's a good segue you know talking about the mortgage broker could be your best friend but you know might not be your you know savior when it comes to reaching the outcomes that you're trying to reach help us understand a bit more from a user's perspective you know why would a, a particular mortgage brokers would work really hard on your file for a better rate or refinance versus you know other mortgage brokers you know who would not do a lot of work and you know who would push you away and say oh you can't get a loan don't worry about it come back to me 12 months down the track or you know 2 years down the track why why is that the case i think knowledge plays a big part to an extent obviously people understanding different policies with different banks what they can do versus they can't do the second thing is obviously we're financially incentivized to write larger loans so If you've got a client that's coming to you that wants to do a $50,000 loan or a $100,000 loan increase on their existing loan, some brokers might form this view that this is not a viable thing for my business, right? I'm going to be spending just as much time as I would be to write a million dollar loan. Is it worth my investment in, in, in my time? Have I grown to that scale where I can have somebody else handle the lower side of those kind of things or am I juggling all of those balls at the same time? So there can be a bit of a disconnect sometimes when that is the case for the brokerage. um whether it's something that they handle on a regular basis also knowledge can play a part in terms of like the products that are available especially when it comes to things like first home buyers construction loans some brokers um have no knowledge of how to write a construction loan to this day they only do existing loans they only do refinances they only do very vanilla kind of purchase segments so asking your broker a little bit about the type of loans that they've done in the past is probably a key question that i would say to anyone that's going to a mortgage broker just to get an understanding of what they've done and how they might be able to help you in your specific situation definitely and there is the, um, there is an additional sort of benefit that comes together with some of these things right you know i always find that there's a cutthroat competition within the brokers or between the brokers as well right and so if you're speaking to a new broker you know naturally their intention would not just be to write this present loan but to take over your whole portfolio right and so you know that those ethical lines across day in day out by a lot of brokers because what they're trying to do is they're trying to redirect the trail from an ex broker to a y broker right or to then to, to their own self and so you know while a new broker might be only writing a small loan their their holistic mission would be oh this person is worth you know 4 million in debt you know i want to basically take over that 4 million of debt while writing this 50000 worth of loan and that's the long term view of the world right that's you building relationships with the client to making sure that they are serviced well versus an existing broker now i use that example of you know airlines you know or insurance companies where they spend a lot of time effort money on getting new customers but they don't spend a lot of time retaining customers and that's where the the dynamics change quite significantly i think the industry or the mortgage broker should provide a lot of service in retaining the clients because you know that this client would be the word of mouth for you this client is where you know the trail is sitting and you know they can basically take a lot of that away in literally an instant you know with just one phone call that just damages the reputation right 
hundred percent. I think a lot of businesses are focused on attrition, as you said, as opposed to retention. The mortgage broking industry, obviously, we need to maintain both at the same time. I think it's important that, as you said, you know, if a client's coming to me who's previously dealt with another bro- mortgage broker, my question is why? There's obviously been a disconnect between the client and the mortgage broker. And I, my first question is, what happened? Tell me so I can alleviate some of those concerns. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's important to understand that if, if a client of mine was going to another mortgage broker, I would take it to an extent personally in the sense that what did I do wrong? What did I do that made this particular client feel that they need to reach out to somebody else? It might be a point in the future where I'm too busy to be able to potentially take them on from a capacity point of view, but then that's on my business to be able to create that space, to be able to have that client feel comfortable enough to come back. So I think it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's really important that you, you maintain that relationship because as you said, every client of yours is another potential client down the track. People, if you do a good job, people are going to come back to you and they're going to refer friends and family members. 100%. And, and so taking this forward, you know, you would find that a lot of mortgage brokers would do a lot more work on the file versus others who would just do the bare minimum, especially where you talk about trust loans and there is a lot of paperwork and there is independent legal advisors and there is docs after docs and guarantees after guarantees and heaps of paperwork and they'll run you through past each and every doc versus, you know, you know mortgage brokers who are just, you know, doing typical vanilla house and loan packages and wouldn't put a lot of effort in. So if you've got a knowledge or an understanding of how to do something more complicated like a company trust loan or a guarantor loan or a construction loan, you're able to get something like that punched out just as quickly as you would a simple refinance. Obviously, for a broker, working less hours to get generate more money is the, the, the basis of everything, basically. You don't want to be spending seven, eight hours for something that you could be you know, not necessarily getting a good return for. So I think understanding how a product suite works, having that knowledge of how to do things and do things correctly the first time is key. I think rework creates a lot of stress and and headaches in our industry. So if you can get a loan application to be approved on the first pass, which is never really the case, there's always a question, there's always a this. I don't think a bank feels like it's doing its job unless it comes back to us with one or two questions, at least with a file. Yeah, Being able to avoid those things is key. So if you've got a mortgage broker that's got a speciality in a wide range of different areas, that's key. You want someone who's done everything, basically, who's done your guarantor loan, who's done your debt consolidation, who's done your construction loan. Yeah. And you make a really important point. I think, you know, mortgage brokers don't get paid to find solutions to the problems, right? They get paid to basically, you know, write the loans, right? And so any pre-work that they're doing, if the client decides to jump, you know, they don't ultimately get paid at all because, you know, they haven't written the loan. And so, there is almost like a mutual sort of relationship that comes or mutual respect that needs to come with, you know, some of these industry norms, right? You know, I see a lot of clients fishing around for, you know, 0.25% or 0.1% rate, you know, between 10 different mortgage brokers without even realizing that they're making all of these people work for free, right? Ultimately, that's what's happening. So it's important that, you know, while there is a lot of heavy lifting that is done through by the mortgage brokers, the investors need to understand that, you know, no one, there is no free lunches in the world. And, you know, you need to ensure that while they're providing you solutions to your problems, you know, you need to ensure that you pick one and let them do the work rather than making everyone work at the same time. And then, you know, choosing one as to, okay, this is the best solution that I'm going to go with, you know, let one person find you all the solutions rather than, you know, 10 people finding you 10 solutions, right? 100%, 100%. And I think, yeah, it, it definitely comes down to that mutual understanding between the client and the broker. And as stated earlier, that if I've got a client who's purely just looking to rate shop, especially with refinance rebates, 
it might not necessarily be the best suit for a mortgage broker to be able to handle that particular client. Yes, yes. While they make the money on the refinances because of these rebates or cashbacks that they make, ultimately the mortgage broker does not get paid because every time the loan moves within 12 months, it's technically the same loan. And so they're not getting paid again and again every time the client moves, right? So yeah, that makes a lot more sense. How can some mortgage brokers access more borrowing than the other? I think that's, this is like a million dollar question that everyone asks. And, you know, what is this magical sort of stick that some mortgage brokers have that others don't? I don't think it's a magical stick per se. I think it really just comes down to that knowledge, right? So, you know, depending on the client's individual situation, which particular bank can support them best on their particular policies. You know, for example, I've got some banks that will use 100% of overtime and allowances for people like nurses and truck drivers because it's understood in that profession that they would do a lot of essential work over time, basically, whereas some lenders would only use 80% of that annual income uh, from those overtime and allowances. So it really comes down to that broker's understanding of all the different policies that are out there. It's a constantly changing environment as well, and being making sure that your broker is keeping up to date with the latest changes is, is a really important part about it as well. It used to be the case when interest rates were lower that you could pretty much go to any bank to get a refinance done. Nowadays, things are a lot more challenging. We've got, you know, 3% or plus that's kind of come through over the last 12 to 14 months in terms of interest rate increases. How do we navigate those challenges? How do we still support people to be able to look for the best rates and best products for them, for their, for, for their households? Yes. And ultimately, not every mortgage broker has access to every product. I think there is a massive stereotype that everyone looks at pretty much everything. I think that stereotype definitely needs to be broken. And also, you know, majority of the people, a majority of the investors, or should I say about, you know, 70 to 80% of the investors have only dealt with major banks. You know, they don't know, you know, second tier, third tier lenders or no bank lenders, or even, you know, the, the funders and the financiers, you know, that sit outside the normal realms of, you know, investing. So, you know, it's always important to, you know, understand how extensive the offering is of a mortgage broker from a value perspective and not just products, but also what sort of relationships they do, ha- do they have, you know, past the major four banks. 100%, 100%. And I think, look, how many lenders they're exposed to versus how many they choose to be exposed to is another thing as well. Some brokers will be happy just sticking with the same four big banks or, you know, a few of your second tiers, but some brokers obviously are happy to look out there, explore different things. I mean, it's a constantly learning environment, right? And this is what I love about what I do is I find out about new things all the time that make me go, oh, wow, I'm glad this person's doing this because I can use this for this particular client, right? And it's exciting. It makes things more, you're not doing the same thing day in, day out. You're looking for new solutions or finding new solutions that are available. And I think even brokers that have been doing this for 30 years, they'll still find new solutions every day. And it's so it's great. But you need to have that kind of attitude to want to learn. Sure. And there is a stereotype that it's always easier to work with the major banks than, you know, some of the mid-tier banks or the second tier or third tier lenders. Is that true? I wouldn't say it's easier or harder. I think every bank has its own challenges um, from different for different reasons. Sure. I think it's more about understanding from a solutions point of view, what's going to work well for this particular client. So uh, a lot of people like to stay with the big banks because they feel like they're safer, per se. Well, I would want the bank to go bankrupt, right? So that, you know, my loan gets right off. <laughs> Definitely. But you don't know who they're going to sell their loan book to, right? That's the challenge on the back of it. So uh, we've got a very safe, regulated banking industry in Australia. I mean, most of the banks that end up, I wouldn't say going bust, but the ones that 
they usually goes through and they merge with another bank, basically. So there's never really a case where your loan is gone. <laughs> but ultimately, it, it, uh, you know, one thing that I have noticed in my own sort of, you know, professional capacity is that, you know, the lending that a major banks provide is a lot much tighter than, you know, the, the risk appetite that, you know, the second tier or the third tier, tier lender brings, which means that, you know, if you're writing your best products with the major tier lenders and then bringing all the the riskier investments or where you're really extending yourself out to the debt to the second tier and third tier, of course, the rates that you're going to get are quite sort of poor, right? And so there is this stigma around, oh, the second tier and third tier always charges, you know, higher rates. I, I don't think that that's really true. They're very, very competitive. You are, you know, buying your first or second investment property and bringing in them the good risk rather than the bad risk, right? I think that gap's definitely gotten smaller. I mean, you obviously, uh, your your big banks have had I guess the lay of the land for a number of years, right? Whereas your second and third tier banks have sometimes come in with cheaper rates to try to attract clients. You've obviously got your riskier lenders that allow customers to potentially borrow maybe 10 to 15% more than you could with your major tiers. And they are obviously priced accordingly based on risk. Um, But those things change all the time. So being adaptable, not just putting a cookie cutter exposure to, you know, the, the second tiers or the big banks is really important having an idea that things are adaptable and they're constantly adapting and changing is really important. 100%. Now, wrapping things up, you know, a final question. How do you ensure that you are working with the right mortgage broker? What are the key things that you need to look out for, be it the red flags, be it the prerequisites, etc.? Yeah, look, I think the important thing is to ask questions, right? Um, so I always encourage my clients to ask questions of me. No question is a dumb question. Um, having someone who's capable, who's able to, you know, be available to you, I think is the most important thing to have those conversations and not to push you along onto the side. We live in a technology area where people can jump on my LinkedIn and have a look at my history. I, I would encourage them to do that with their own mortgage broker, understand what this person's been doing for the last decade or so. And that's not to say people who are new to industry are not going to be any uh, good mortgage brokers, but I think it's important to understand that there's a growth pathway in this job. You need to understand you know, you need to be doing it for a number of years to understand how it all works. So asking those questions, testing your knowledge against the brokers, not asking you to cross-examine them basically, but uh, it's important to be able to, you know, just find out if this person is on the same page as you. And it might not necessarily be just from a net lending point of view, but also from a rapport side of things. You're trusting this person to help you grow your wealth, right? They're potentially going to be a partner for you the next 10 to 15 to 20 years, helping you to establish and buy a property. So you want someone that you can get along with, someone that you can have a conversation, pick up the phone. I've got many clients that just give me a call to have a chat. And it's just more about brainstorming ideas on what they can do. So being able to have someone that you can have that rapport with, I think is important because it's not just a business partner. It's a partner that's going to help you grow. Definitely. And it's a, it's a, it's a, typical, it's a typical developed creation strategy, right? You know, you don't select a doctor based on you know, how much you know, relativeness you have to them. You, know, you don't go just to relatives you know, when it comes to your own personal wealth, you find the best out of the best, right? So when it comes to the mortgage broken, I think one of my prerequisites is, you know, make my life easier, make my life simpler, right? You know, take the stress away, make it as, you know, make the equation, make the, the experience as simpler and as cleaner as possible, right? Ultimately, you know, provide me with solutions. You know, I don't have to come up with solutions. I want my mortgage broker to basically tell me, okay, this and this and this is possible. You go you know, and, you know, work it out with your property planner or a tax accountant or a financial advisor to see as to, you know, which fits your profile a lot better. And so 
that harmony between various different advisors is quite the key. You know, of course, you know, the very important question around the niche side of things, right? What niche are they part of? You know, and it's okay for some mortgage brokers to say, look, you know, SMSF is not my thing, for example, you know, you know, go to X, Y, and Z and they'll, you know, service you better. I think this notion of, you know, asking questions and making sure that, you know, they are providing the best service in the niche is quite important. And of course, you know, it is a competitive industry. You know, I always say this, that there is enough money on the table for everyone to share. So, you know, as a, as a part of an industry expert, you know, it's always, you know, m- my sense has always been that, you know, let's work together. Let's make sure that, you know, you're providing the best service to the client. Any parting words, you know, while wrapping this up, you know, what, what would be one key thing that you would say to the client? You know, the first thing that you speak to the mortgage broker after they have done uh, the, the, the introductions, et cetera. I'd say trust your gut right? You will know with your gut when you're dealing with somebody, if they're going to be able to look after you. If they don't, if you don't feel comfortable with that person, as you said, there are a lot of people in the industry that can help you. So trust your gut. A lot of people sometimes have never used a mortgage broker beforehand. I've spoken to a lot of clients this week, and this is the first time that they're using a mortgage broker. And it's a feeling of not unease, but a feeling of like, well, this is new, right? How that person makes you feel is very important. And you can judge that within the first minute of talking to them. So if you're trusting this person to understand everything about you financially, you need to trust them as a person. So go with your gut, make sure it's the right fit, and go from there. Thank you very much. Very kind, lovely, and golden words. Uh, thank you very much for the listeners and viewers. If you have any questions, comments, please do drop into the comments below and share your questions. If you want to reach out to Rob, you can reach him out at our finance, or you can reach it out to us for us to put you in touch with Rob. Thank you for listening to us today. Have a wonderful day. Keep smiling, keep investing. Take care. This is Moss and Rob checking out. Adios. (laughs) 